I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we are continuing our look at Godzilla with 1989's Godzilla vs. Biolanti, which is directed by Kazuki Omori and is the first of, well, it's not the first in the Heisei area, but it's the first that we're looking at in the Heisei area, which yeah. is really, really cool. And also, notably... Uh, the music is done by Kuichi Sugiyama, a.k.a. the Dragon Quest I'm guy, unreal. which uh, which when I, I, I watched the movie before I saw that and when I saw it, I was like, oh, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, it's so this... cool, too, because this is like after at least two or yes, three after Dragon, Dragon Quest, Quest games yeah. have been made. So it's like, wow. Yeah, I believe that I, one of the reasons why they went to him for this, because they originally wanted another composer to work on it and uh, they weren't able to. And they went to Koichi Sugiyama because of his work on Dragon Quest. So, yeah, it's really exciting. It's one of these things where when we started doing the podcast, knowing how we all share a love of video game music, it was like a benchmark where I'm like, I know at some point in the podcast, <laughs> we're going to be able to talk about this. So, oh, yeah, dude, yeah. perfect. And, and well, it's we crazy because th- there's almost another great video game composer <laughs> In the movie, when I looked at the cast, I had did a double take because there's an yep. actor whose name is Toru Minigishi, which is the exact name of um, right. a much younger or still alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a great uh, Nintendo composer, but this same name, different person. He plays uh, Colonel Gordo Gondo in this, but yeah, yeah I don't uh, know, really another thing really where I was seeing that. Yeah, <laughs> really, really exciting to see for for us right here because yeah, I mean Toru Minigishi is still one of the like main like Zelda composers right yeah, now. One, am I am I wrong? One, yeah, one of the heavy hitters. It's it seems like he probably wasn't involved in Tears of the Kingdom. He wasn't really involved in Breath of the Wild either, which is mm. a great great shame because he's yeah he's brilliant. But yeah, really uh, good. Yeah, he's stuff. still still out there still working. But uh, yeah, here we are, 1989. <laughs> so uh, 1989 is the beginning of the Heisei era. But before this, oh, so um, it is. Yeah, it's it's okay. I, I figured Godzilla Returns was like the. So yeah, Godzilla Returns is in the Heisei era of Godzilla films, but the actual year... oh, gotcha, the actual Heisei era, yeah. like with the Emperor and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, really exciting. And uh, originally, uh, if you noticed our fun little editing at the end of last episode, <laughs> I was considering it was seamless. Yeah, I was considering us. <laughs> covering return of godzilla but man godzilla versus biolante is i mean especially after covering it for this podcast it might be my favorite godzilla wow i don't I, know i would i would believe you because it's definitely it. my favorite of the ones that we've done it's so yeah, much totally. fun yeah and um, it's yeah. the right balance of of goofy and without like being and like the effects are genuinely good though like yeah we're, yeah, we're really really exceptional it's not just kind of like you know cute or whatever like you'd see in mechagodzilla or like the you know old school kind of harrowing of the original but it's but it's still very silly Right. Yeah, and I, really I, this return to form in terms of like just the filmmaking and how grounded it is and mm-hmm. really the the ambition of it. Yeah, it does feel like 
what we I don't know what do people call them now like requel reboot like those things that yeah. are a blurry <laughs> line between like a reboot remake and and sequel mm-hmm. and yeah this is just I, God and the thing looks beautiful um and it looks so I don't know it looks so modern you definitely um are appreciating that like late eighties early nineties yeah film stock and sharp lenses um mm-hmm. and then the fact that you hear ted thomas and is it chris tilton i think is like the that great lead voice some from of our, our old favorites. hong kong yeah like, some of our hong kong standards with this like They're beautiful so imagery it's like what's happening mm-hmm. and also i i love i love so much how much lower quality the audio is than <laughs> the know. japanese original audio like, do we have oh, something nice. less than mono could we try <laughs> This is Gondo. Oh, hello, Colonel. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you it's really exciting waiting for a lizard that never shows. Can we do like half a speaker? Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, uh, all of these Heisei era films. I think are I think going into I know for sure uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah has the same like UK uh, dubbing crew, but um, yeah, actually, um, wow, that's amazing. I, yeah, I wanted to get into a little bit be, because oh, please, be, yeah. beyond what we're talking about today, um, I just was recently at G Fest, which is the like wow. premier like kaiju monster Godzilla festival in the United States and it's within striking distance to me. And, um, uh, I talked about the Ishiro Honda biography quite a bit on this series of episodes. And I brought that book with me. I wasn't sure, but, um, I, I thought I should bring it with. And, uh, sure enough, uh, both authors were at G fest. So I had this wonderful experience where I got to meet each of them and talk to them quite a bit about Dude, just, so just cool. all of this stuff we've been up to. I wasn't promoting myself at all. I was I was coming to him to them as a fan. And um, but one of the things that I really did want to drill into was that Steve Rifle, one of the authors, he actually interviewed Ted Thomas, and that was for no a way. release. Yeah, for Godzilla versus Megalon. So he, there's a really great interview between him and Ted Thomas. And I, I just, man, I had to talk to him about it. And honestly, yeah. he said basically he just sent an email out to him and he responded and they were able to do this little feature. But um, what what a blessing to, to yeah, kind of so cool. have a little insight wow. into not just this stuff for Godzilla, but honestly, most of the Hong Kong stuff that we love, right? Yeah, and, um, absolutely. Uh, now there's there's a little bit of info out there about Ted Thomas, who was basically the head of the production for this company that would uh, become known as Axis International, and um, they uh, they would do more than just like Hong Kong stuff. And like we we see here, they are, they did uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla on our last episode, and they did this uh, um, movie as well. So um, yeah, awesome. And I mean, I, I was I was joking with with my buddy about it but it was like really if you're thinking about i i was talking to steve rifle the the author who he talked to ted thomas and then one of the other things that i think people might not know is that ted thomas 
he actually interviewed Bruce Lee like around like the the early seventies. Oh, yeah, cool. so it's it's not the you know the the B water my friend interview, but it was a radio interview. But it's been recorded and it's been available. So it's it's kind of crazy to think about. You know, I mean the degrees I, of separation. Just, yeah, the yeah. it's not that far off and. It's just really exciting, but um, yeah, I didn't want to sidetrack us too much, but that was really exciting. And G Fest, no, that's was... not a sidetrack. That's like, oh man, yeah, on point. It, no, it's, it was... it's so cool because I remember you like you called out the book yeah. like yeah. just a few episodes ago, and then you get to meet the guy that wrote it. Unbelievable! Both Ed Gajicheski and Steve Rifle were super nice, super awesome guys, and they were. Um, I was able to chat them up about stuff and some of the stuff. Uh, that we're going to talk about on this episode. And honestly, it, it got to the point where I felt like I they could have just kept talking to me and I didn't want to keep their time because I was like, uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't want to take your time. Like, just thank you for everything that you've done and mm-hmm. just really amazing. And uh, yeah, G-Fest was, was really great. And I, I think we're going to talk about it a little bit on our anniversary episode. So I don't want to yeah, spoil yeah. everything here, but yeah, Godzilla versus Bilanti, Um, I was saying it's in the Heisei era and really um, more so than I think return of Godzilla, it solidifies a lot of the ideas that you'd see carried on throughout the rest of the films. We have a character that's introduced in this film that ends up going through all of the Heisei movies. And uh, oh, we wow. just kind of have these, more modern take on Godzilla, but I also feel like it still kind of is iterating on some of the ideas from the Showa era in a fun way. And I think the movie is definitely flawed, but I think the ambition, like Marty, you said ambition earlier, I think that is the perfect yeah. word for mm. this movie because they're really reaching into these fun ideas and really developing things. And um, I'm going to get into the development of this movie and I don't know if you guys know, but based on the development, it's a miracle that this movie turned out the way that it oh, did. Wow. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I always I always love those. Yeah, we've yeah. we've talked about the the quick production on these older films and this one even though it's not the case, it is the case. So, um <laughs> sure. yeah, but but I I mean this yeah, I love this movie a lot and I love it even more now thanks to this episode, but I'm so happy to hear that both of you guys are responding to it so positively. <laughs> it's also yeah, I, um, yeah. I I had a lot of fun with it. I mm. um I watched it last week uh watching the the subtitled one. And then today, I, I usually like to watch the sub whenever I can have like more time to like actually focus on it. Yeah. And totally. then I'll watch the dub whenever I'm like, you know, can can kind of go in and out. Um, and so I watched it today with the sub kind of at work whenever it was getting slow. And it was it was so cool to like pick up on stuff I didn't pick up the first time. Mm-hmm. And like there's a lot of parts of the movie where they are speaking English in the yeah. original audio and it's yeah. really hard to understand what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, you, you um, almost need so subtitles was, more for those yeah. bits. The Godzilla cell was a treasure chest of genetic engineering. <laughs> yeah, and so whenever I heard in the dubs, I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure those Godzilla cells will be a most valuable asset for our research into genetic engineering. Oh man, no, that's uh, yeah. I yeah, had such a great time with this, and also, I think your your curating taste, Carlos, I think is just really paying off because I feel like we're really we're really well situated for each new film that kind of 
yeah, comes up in the lineup and cool. Thank uh, you. Yeah, this really this really felt like a quantum leap um, mm. forward. Uh, yeah, you know, just in terms of the production value, I, I would mm. say just confidence in the overall uh, goals of the movie and the storytelling, the performances, and also, uh, boy, you really appreciate. I don't know how much like superficially has like changed from, you know, modern society of Mm. the, you know, sixties and seventies into, you know, being here on, like on the doorstep of the nineties. Also love that there is like, there's a lot of overt, like intergenerational kind of messages in the movie. And, um, I don't know. I think yeah, very, very fitting. Cause you've, uh, I think it's subtly done, but you really feel this kind of like baton being passed off of, Okay, this is maybe what Godzilla represented originally, and here's what kind of these young upstarts might <laughs> might think of him. And oh, I love that. I love yeah. hearing that. No, yeah, just a really great, great time. I mean, it's I don't know if that would if it would be seen as sacrilegious, but it might not be a bad entry point, honestly, for somebody that's a little bit curious. Um, yeah. So about it, it, Godzilla. Riffin on that is actually one of the harder films to come across. So Godzilla versus Biolante was in talks. I, I guess what we're talking about in the West. So we're, it was in sure, talks sure. to get a theatrical release, but um, there was some issues where there was some type of litigation, I think. And uh, so it, it never got a theatrical release in the West, but it did get a VHS release for uh, a little while but um it was like a long time before it got a dvd release do you remember and when you first uh, were exposed to it It was a vhs because um I, i've mentioned this place a handful of times yeah, on the podcast yeah. but the japanese hobby store that i go to uh they had a vhs of it to rent and um yeah like i said i hadn't seen it in such a long time and then finally i think it was like in 2012 it got a dvd release finally and then there was a blu-ray after that but even those are very hard to find now they're out of print and they go for kind of a high price and the the rip that i shared with you guys is from my dvd but um i got kind of excited because um actually pluto tv the um like digital like (laughs) yeah the streaming like site channel thing channel thing they just recently announced that there is a godzilla channel where they're just showing godzilla movies and they're showing they said they got the rights to like the godzilla the series that you mentioned on our last episode and um uh yeah other other stuff so i was really excited to see because the heisei films are included in what they were promoting but unfortunately godzilla versus uh biolante is one of the few films that aren't available on that channel so yeah return violante and i think one of the because there's a trilogy (laughs) of mothra films i just i just tuned in Mm. to godzilla on pluto tv you know what they're showing what's that godzilla versus mecha godzilla (laughs) yeah nice yeah they literally just loop like the the chronological release like of those films it's awesome you could just i mean i could just leave it on in the background all the time but yeah, it's it's too bad that Biolante isn't available. But that being said, the fact that the Heisei films are being streamed on that channel gives me some hope that maybe there's yeah. some kind of talks or somebody's shaking hands behind the scenes to get a release. Because I, I 
I seriously doubt that Criterion would go through with a release of the uh, Heisei films because they don't have a, like, I mean, <laughs> the prestige really of like the older stuff. Um, but yeah. Somebody, I think somebody's gonna maybe Arrow. Who knows? Like somebody like that could uh, yeah. get a deal. It'd if, be really exciting. If our if our track record on this podcast is anything to go off of, yes, Arrow will have a ridiculous <laughs> Blu-ray release that comes out in a month. Yeah, it is kind of wild that. Uh, so yeah, that Pluto TV announcement was recently within the last week or two, or yeah, something like that. And you know, we've been in the midst of covering these films. And Dude, yeah, we just need to get more ears burning, and then right and the, the cosmic. <laughs> I also I knew this was happening and I didn't plan it exactly uh, for it but I knew that this year there was going to be a new Godzilla film coming out in Japan and just within the last week we saw a teaser for that so um, the reveal for the title is called Godzilla minus one and it's going to be directed by a man named Takashi Yamazaki who's I'm kind of familiar with and he's kind of got a little bit of history with Godzilla so um, it's really exciting that we're covering all this stuff and then I went to G-Fest and I got to meet those guys and it's just kind of fun being in the middle of all of it right now. Dude, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Well, and how cool that there's like literally a new movie that just um, yeah, just trailered it, during G-Fest. Yeah, <laughs> like and it's... Basically just before. Right. It's, um, it's coming out in November in Japan and then they said that it's going to get a wider release in December. So I'm really excited to be able to go to see it in theaters because Shin Godzilla, when it was released, um, I think shortly after it was released, it got a theatrical run in the United States. But that was one of those Fathom events, which was like a one or two night deal. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. But um, based on what they've said right now, I think it's going to be uh, a bigger release. So. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. So, uh, oh yeah, but back to Biolante. If you guys don't mind me indulging, I'd like to go into the making of it no, because man, teach us. Yeah, it, it's pretty exciting. And uh, one of the other things that I wanted to mention too that I did mention before is that um, that Kaiju Masterclass, the um, kind of web convention of interviews and uh, features. Um, there's a really great two two video series of the making of Biolante by Ed Gazicheski, the the man that I was speaking with. And um if you wanna know anything, and I'm gonna <laughs> I mean I'm standing on the shoulders of giants here, you know, all yeah, this information yeah. that we've gotten. Um there is a great making of there's also an interview with the director, Kazuki Omori, who um I mean he just passed away recently, so it's really amazing that we wow. have an interview with him within the last couple couple years. And um, there's an interview with him. There's an interview with uh, Fuyuki Shinada, who is the guy that made the suit for Biolante. And he goes into that a little bit. Um, yeah, so uh, Kaiju Masterclass, another thing that I would point people to besides all the resources we've been using like Wikizilla and I mean Wikizilla is great too not only their website but their YouTube channel they do like these bio, bio videos so they'll go into each uh, monster or each or or a movie per se and talk about the history or or the history of the kaiju itself so that's also really cool but yeah let let me let me take a drink <laughs> and then yeah. <laughs> i'll start talking about this because it's more than just about this movie it's about where that the gap between the showa era and the heisei era right and then what what leads you to this film i mentioned that terror mechagodzilla was the last film of the showa era 
And after that movie did so poorly, um, Toho actually was still trying to bring back Godzilla a handful of times. And Tomoyuki Tanaka, the producer that I mentioned, and kind of like the torchbearer for uh, Godzilla, uh, he was really the driving force for that. So um, at the same time, you know, we're, we're talking about the mid-70s and uh, science fiction movies were becoming a lot more popular in popular culture. So, you know, we've got like the Dino De Laurentiis King Kong came out in 76. We've got Close Encounters is like yeah 77. And we got Star of course, Star Wars and Alien and uh, I think Star Trek was 79. Yeah, that's the, right. the motion picture. Yeah, the, the yeah first... I, think, I think that's 79. Yeah, it's around there. Well, I mean, and also I had also mentioned that uh, television was really kind of a nail in the coffin of these films as well. So um, we had a little bit of a gap here. So um, after the end of the Showa era, Godzilla still persisted in the ether, I would say, even in the, the West, because, um, you know, like the Blue, Blue Oyster cult, like Godzilla song. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Marvel had Godzilla comic in the 70s, like late 70s. And um, the, the Western releases for a lot of these movies were later than the Japanese releases. So Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla came out in 76. Megalon also came out in 76. Terror of Mechagodzilla came out in 78. So, um, you know, it's still floating around. But um, in preparation for the return of Godzilla, uh, Tomoyuki Tanaka, he worked really hard to find out what people wanted from a Godzilla movie. He sent a survey group kind of situation. Like, he sent people out throughout Japan to find out what people thought of Godzilla. Koichi Kawakita, the um, special effects director, he mentions that Tanaka really felt like each film was like his child and that he should be wow. recognized for the effort to make Godzilla successful. Yeah, so um, Godzilla 84, the return of Godzilla, begins the Heisei era of Godzilla, though that era starts in 89, like I mentioned. And it's a reboot of the series, but what it does is it ignores all the Showa films after the original. So they're basically using the original as like the touch point. Kind of like a Superman Returns. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. I was going to say like some of the Terminator movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Well, that gets But that's messy. that's a very bad example when it comes to talking <laughs> about that, so I, I probably shouldn't mention it. Yep. So Return of Godzilla makes Godzilla like a threat to Japan again. And it doesn't really include a monster that he fights. And instead, Japan is facing the menace of Godzilla and the terror, the, the tensions of the Cold War. So the US and the Soviet Union are in the mix, and they're threatening to use nuclear force to stop Godzilla. So that movie was a success, but it wasn't like as big of success as they wanted. So um, uh, audience just they, they felt like something was lacking and Tomoyuki Tanaka wanted to really inject the next film with fresh blood or, or G cells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he wanted to really like reinvent Godzilla. And, um, one of the kind of inspirations that he named check was aliens, James Cameron's film. And mm. thinking of that and thinking of how this film looks and kind of, yeah, yeah I can definitely yeah, see definitely. that. It, you really do kind of understand that. So um, what Tomiyuki Tanaka did is he held a story contest. So anybody could write a, a proposed oh, wow. script for a Godzilla film. And they huh. had like over 5,000 entries. And um, actually, uh, 
there was a panel of judges, and one of the judges was Osamu Tezuka, the the god of manga, which is wow. amazing, yeah. like Blackjack, Astro Boy. Astro Boy. Yep. And um, so they decided on a handful of winners, but the final choice was actually by a man named Shinichiro Kobayashi, and I, he's a dentist by profession. But um, this he is was yeah, wow. <laughs> yep. And also, <laughs> if you think of this film, there's a lot of monster teeth in this one so um uh so that's true yeah like, there's a lot of talk about teeth. gingivitis it was a little weird <laughs> yeah g g cells gingivitis yeah, that's what g cells are that's yep. what g stands for <laughs> um so he had actually already written an episode of return of ultraman that had a similar premise of like a hybrid plant human kind of monster and um so he's kind of like iterating on an idea that he had so um Tanaka brought uh, Kobayashi in and had him tweak the script that he submitted that was basically Godzilla versus Biollante and add some story elements. And then he handed the script to director Kazuki Omori to finalize. And uh, Kobayashi created the character of Miki Saigusa, who is the like the esper in this movie, the, the yeah. psychic girl. And uh, Tomiyuki Tanaka added the input of cutting a, a monster. There's a monster called Dutalios that was like a a rat-fish hybrid monster. They're trying oh, to wow. keep the budget down, so they uh, they snipped him out of the script. And um, I feel like it, then they put all of that budget into Biolanti. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, Tanaka also uh, included the ideas of Saradia, the 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 Middle Eastern country and the mm -hmm. idea of G cells and uh, Kazuki Omori also added input to the script and he added the uh, Kuroki and Gondo, the, the Japanese uh, defense force, the military characters. And even Kazuki Omori was like kind of a fresh face for uh, Godzilla films. So um, he was a newcomer that had gotten some notice because of like some teen idol movies and uh, he admitted actually to not really being a Godzilla fan. Actually, when in his interviews, when when they talked to him, he's really a fan of like Western film and spy stuff and action stuff. So you can see how that stuff was kind of injected into the movie in different yeah. ways. And um, so uh, this is like eighty four, right? Just is right after the um, Return of Godzilla. So it's got kind of a development of like five years. And uh, Biolante's production, once it like was like, okay, we're going to start filming, it was actually in 1989. So uh, <laughs> the, the filming was greenlit in May, and the planned release date was in December, which, wow. which is crazy right yeah so um the filming actually wasn't yeah, it doesn't to... really show up in the in the movie, right really. so yeah, well. yeah this is what i'm talking about this ambition and kind of energy and excitement for for a film like this so they were actually weren't able to start filming until august so they had august september no and october to film that's insane yeah they the edited month... the whole movie in two months yeah november Dude, that's nuts because honestly like one of the like one of the big takeaways from for me watching it the first time was like, God, I love how patient this movie is. Like, <laughs> yeah. it just feels very comfortable, very confident, mm. and yeah, imagining like this giant ticking clock in your head. Oh my god, the whole time shooting. Wow. Yep. So November was pretty much just post production, and then uh, early December is when the movie was released. 
That's wild. So, okay, that's one thing, right? But actually, the the final design for Biolante, you know, he has got two. Oh, she's got two forms in this film, and that yeah. final form, they were really kind of debating on how that design should land, and it really wasn't finished until they were filming, and it wasn't done until October. So late October, and actually this is a fun thing too, because I I shared with you guys the making of, which was included Mm -hmm. in that. And the thing that's fun about that is when you're looking at like the, the studio, like offhand camera footage it's on like a camcorder and those cameras oh yeah it has the date they have the dates on it so when you see some of these like iconic oh shots God. and it's so shot like, like mid-september yeah it's the, like literally like october 27th That's you'll see insane. like that some of the big great shots from that final fight are like dated for that which is insane but uh that being said a lot of that there was so much pre-production right 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 so all of that pre-production really helped make this film get done fast and um yeah you can feel it it's just like everything is yeah just like very very well drawn very intentional yeah in terms of just our overall production design wow Yep, and the the special effects director I mentioned, Koichi Kawakita, says that he doesn't really have a memory of being told (laughs) that he was the director, (laughs) just basically because there was no time to stop and think about it. (laughs) But um, Tomiyuki Tanaka chose him as another, like, kind of fresh-faced new generation crew member, because Teriyoshi Nakano, who did the effects for... Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla that we talked about last episode, he was still around, but um, Kawakita had been with Toho since the early 60s as an assistant, up until taking on director of effects roles on TV shows, so like he did Zone Fighter and I think Return of Ultraman and stuff like that, so um, this was like his first film role, so one of the things that he was talking about was when you're working on a TV show, you don't have to really make a suit that's as durable. It's kind of more of a disposable sure. situation. Yeah, yeah. But working on this film, it was kind of a whole other beast because he had to really kind of reinforce things. And he always dreamt of working on a Godzilla film and what a debut with, with this. Yeah, for uh, sure. Biolante. Seriously. Yeah. So um, for Godzilla versus Biolante, they also made an animatronic Godzilla that you'll see in like some of the tighter shots. And I think that that's pretty cool because in uh, 84, they made like this really giant like robot Godzilla. And I think in a way it was an answer to that gigantic like Kong in I think in the De Laurentiis King Kong that um, yeah. it was like yeah. a huge King Kong in um so they tried to do that too, but I don't think it really worked the way that they wanted to. But the thing that is really cool about this one is that it's using the same molds as the suit for Godzilla. So you're you're seeing it; it looks one to one, and uh, the way it moves and everything is really cool. There's like yeah, these it's like shots on of model him. all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's really great. So um, yeah, but Godzilla versus Biollante. What a turbulent like life yeah. from from conception to it's like a, release. a rumors level of <laughs> dysfunction <laughs> Dude, behind Dude, this, yeah. behind the scenes uh, but yeah like the kind of thing that totally reminds you like just why you fall in love with movies you know mm-hmm. just... yeah and honestly obviously i i don't 
I don't support this as a philosophy, so don't get it twisted. Right. But also shows sometimes whenever like whenever you don't have time to second guess things, then sometimes really amazing things can happen with it. Because yeah. it's just like, well, that's the shot we got. We have to use it, and we have to do it yeah, right. Totally. So. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's a really great point. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. My, my sense is that that conversation isn't always so widespread, and I think especially for anyone uh, creating things in the digital era with digital mm. tools, uh, I think it's easy to assume that um, more time to reflect, more time to edit, more time to change and polish um, is like unequivocally good. And it, it's really interesting if you actually, I think, look at the history of art that you love, um, you hardly find any examples of, of, of that kind of approach, actually. I think I think we're ready. I think I think we're ready. I think we are ready to <laughs> dive into this movie. Yeah. And and do some wild tangents on the things that the movie yeah. does for yeah. five seconds <laughs> that we'll talk about for ten minutes. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but we should jump into the movie itself. So first let's take a look at the back of the VHS. In the aftermath of Godzilla's return, a new genetic discovery could change the world. But these miracle G-cells are sought by many nations, and tragedy falls upon one scientist in the midst of conflict. Dr. Shirigami filters his grief through his research, but in doing so, releases new horror that can become greater than the threat of Godzilla! Kazuki Amori and Kuichi Kawakita bring you a never-before-seen scale of kaiju thriller. Megumi Odaka, Kunihiko Minamura, and Koji Takahashi star in Godzilla vs. Biolanti. This is the previous Godzilla movie they're referencing, right? Like, it picks up, like, right at the end, after the, whole, the end of that movie. Yeah, the opening sequence of this film is the ending of the last film. Okay, that's what I figured. But yeah, it's, it's Godzilla has just gone on a rampage, and people are kind of picking up the pieces. And the music that plays in this very first bit is so good because it's like this, so good. this, this awesome like '80s kind of music, and then you realize, oh, it's it's the original Godzilla theme, yeah, yeah. but with this kick-ass kind of '80s music okay. going with it. Yeah, we could get into the soundtrack a little bit because, uh, yeah, you do hear a couple of pieces of Ifukube's score. Um, there, actually, I should look this up real quick because Koichi Sugiyama is the composer, but there's an orchestrator that's listed. Oh here yeah, too. he conducted the Western sessions. guy. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he didn't know. Yeah, somehow he was like conducting them free from any picture or something. I was well, yeah. The, so the story, yeah, with the soundtrack is pretty interesting too because uh, they they got Koichi Sugiyama to do the score for the film, but he didn't use any of the movie to do that score. So he basically, That's wild. yeah. So yeah. it it can, and also it makes you, some you things the movie make sense. <laughs> yeah. So in the movie, I, so what I would say is okay. I do really like the soundtrack. But I don't think that it was used <laughs> in, in the ways that it could have been used optimally. And it, and, do, it doesn't mm. feel like and like the spotting really yes. reflects any of Sugiyama's in, intention. It's yep. And um, the, I would say and there like, is kind of a tradition of that though in some like Japanese cinema where it's like 
a lot of scores aren't necessarily spotted the same way as in, as you expect in in western cinema um, yeah my my take on the soundtrack though is that it's kind of to me it feels like an image album where you're using yeah, like exactly. kind of concepts and ideas that you're being given and that's inspiring you to compose something so i think that that's really from and inspired by the film godzilla versus violent yeah because the (laughs) the, and then whoever the music editor was is just mm -hmm. yeah going on on some interesting whims i mean i i couldn't count how many times a cue just has kind of a clumsier fade out (laughs) just drops Mm -hmm. yeah it'll just drop out repeating certain cues Mm -hmm. and then there yeah there are quite a few that it's just hard to argue they're like tonally appropriate exactly um, yeah we're, we're but yeah none of that feels like a sugiyama thing to me it, it yes concept album or, or sorry image album i think is perfect kind of like like the all the great hisaishi image albums mm-hmm. where you, you can see how that inspires maybe some of the direction of of the films and then some of in those cases like some of those ideas end up making it all the way and getting adapted and more tightly fit to the movie yeah, here it just seems like they've got they're looking at it as this kind of batch of material and they'll they'll just sort of needle drop it as they see fit. Yeah. It's it's really about uh ten tracks of the soundtrack. Like of like dedic each track is, is like its own little suite. And basically they, they pulled from that and injected it into the movie. So yeah, tonally I feel like they really do miss the mark in a lot of spots and um yeah they just really all of a sudden they'll just drop well, I think you what's off tricky is because it's like if if you look at what sugiyama wrote they're really it really does have all the tonal colors that you need in the hmm. in the show and so it's just yeah it just can get a little frustrating but at the same time it's like i don't know it's adorable too like yeah. uh and the music is just so vivid and like adventurous and it's i mean it's really almost more of like a throwback to like you know corn gold and alfred newman and uh miko shroja and that that kind of thing it feels like really old school hollywood but recorded super well it sounds yeah the playing is great on it Mm -hmm. and i'd say that it's it's kind of as far as the fans go i think it's kind of a polarizing thing because some people are super into it some people don't don't really like it at all one of the yeah one of the fun things though that um ed mentions in his making of is that um they went to ifukube to uh to ask him to compose and he said no that he's basically retired but he mm-hmm. basically made a demand that they he said you can use my stuff but just don't turn it into like popular music and <laughs> the thing that's hilarious is that like oh, right at the beginning of this movie literally one of the first yeah, songs you hear you get this track it's called bio wars and i mean personally i love it it's like really my like you jam. wonder if he gave them the idea man yeah it's, but the thing like, is oh yeah. well now that you mention it the thing that's really funny though is that after this film Ifukube comes back (laughs) and then he does the rest of the Heisei movies which is which is hilarious to me he's like f you guys I'm just gonna do it (laughs) yeah Um, he's like in his 80s right yeah I love that um so yeah but what what we see here is once uh we get past all of the the footage from the last film um you're seeing that they're exploring the wreckage and uh you quickly see that they're actually finding like 
bits of Godzilla. Like they're, they're finding these like pieces of him. And um, there's some people in like hazmat suits, but there's also these military guys. And very quickly it turns into a shootout where the military guys aren't supposed to be there. And they're trying to uh, get a piece of these, um, the, mm. the Godzilla cells themselves. So it turns and here's into where this... I think you can feel kind of the aliens quality. Probably the, mm-hmm. you've got the like, yeah, very hazy um, set pieces yeah. with like kind of really foggy and like, um, spotlights and um you've got this kind of wild frantic action energy to it um, dude that that music cue that they use there though that that like scalar thing in the strings and like the greatest slap bass <laughs> yeah that's the yeah. that's the oh, track that's so the good. yeah yeah that bio so wars good. track so it's yeah. really great i mean i think it's like arc more our sensibilities <laughs> yeah it, and actually it's yeah. funny this because the, the the look of it also kind of reminded me of like like chinese ghost story like yes. that kind of choi hark oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. 90s thing with like the agree. with like the fog and the dutch angles and the yeah, the, totally. the heavy blue gels and everything yeah and we get um, a bit of intrigue as well so um these military guys are making their way out but they're gunned down by another mystery <laughs> character yeah and um this, this, this is this swarthy fella yeah he's really scrawny looking guy and uh that's one of the faults that i think yeah. of this movie is that Yunwa would play this dude in the oh percent yeah. would play this character some of the characters don't really seem to fit their roles no no <laughs> um, the honestly everything with saradia mm-hmm. is that the fake the fake middle eastern country a lot of the stuff with saradia and this this guy kind of feel like it feels like they were part of an earlier draft and they didn't figure out a way to get rid so of it. Well said, so they man. just, yeah, so they absolutely. just kind of had to shoehorn it in. And yep. even as we'll, as we'll see at the very end of the movie, they're like, ah, crap, we gotta, we gotta figure this out. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, and it leads to one really weird line where he says it in English in the original audio. And it yeah. sounds like he's saying, kiss you guys. Yeah. I know. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Kiss you guys. But then in the dub, he says, thank you, guys, like sarcastically. And that makes more sense. Well, thanks, you guys. But he definitely sounds like he's saying kiss you guys. This is they an interesting. Two takes that day. Yeah, it, yeah, it's an interesting case here where I actually feel like the dub kind of smooths out some of the stumbling moments mm. of the original yeah. audio, like all of this uh, English dialogue. But at and the I... expense of some, some of that is like sync sound. Um... Yeah in the original Mm -hmm. and um i I would say that this whole intro it's kind of giving you this kind of international vibe to it you know you've got this middle eastern country and you've got the introduction of these like military figures and everybody's talking english you you can't help but feel like uh kazuki omori's kind of wanting to inject this his love for american action cinema into this movie so i i think it can be pretty clumsy at times but like a lot of the different aspects that i mentioned earlier just the ambition behind it really really gives me excited about the movie well yeah and i think overall the opening is is very smart and um i didn't realize initially that the Godzilla footage is, you know, pulled from the previous film, but it, it really works as this cold open because um, especially that opening shot where we pull back on Godzilla from that close up, it's so stunning. Mm. And um, so I, I don't know. And then that the fact that you follow that up with, you know, like a, I don't know, April O'Neil 
<laughs> kind of like American news anchor, and then you get this bit of action. Uh, they really buy you uh, so much, and you really have kind of your energy fill for quite some time. And then I really appreciate that. Then the movie can really just um, dig in and start kind of laying laying the tracks after that. Yeah. So you're you're introduced to a character who is a Japanese man working for the Ceradians and it it's he's working on like a genetic experiment basically and what they want are like the G cells to kind of create a a super like wheat that uh they can use to grow in the desert. So um while they're there terrorists attack and his daughter is killed. And that's kind of like his mad scientist origin that we're seeing. In yeah, she's movie. called Erica in the Japanese version, and Erikar in the uh, yeah, very good English. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and the monster is Godzilla. Godzilla, Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but we love it. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. God, and also that's it. another. And Definitely. this is oh, a lot of people make this mistake because it's it's easy too if you don't understand how Japanese sounds, but. Uh, one of the main characters is Asuka, but everyone says Asuka, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah, yeah. it's just it's just funny to hear that. Oh yeah, I mean, we've yeah, got... Erica and Godzilla yep. are an important part of this, and it cuts forward to five years later, and uh, we get to see our our uh, uh, Miki, right, the psychic girl. Yeah, we're, we're quickly introduced to her and Asuka, so <laughs> it, it's pretty funny. Um, it seems like uh, this scientist here, he's. He's continuing in his experiments, but you're starting to see like the kind of uh I don't know maybe the fishy like ethics that that he's dealing with because yeah, totally. like he's talking to Asuka and he's like yeah I don't, know, man. I, I don't think you, I don't think you understand science yeah <laughs> right that's right but yeah he he starts talking about like this kind of like eugenicsy like. Getting the yeah. semen from mm-hmm. you know Nobel Prize winners or something yeah, like definitely that. Definitely had to rewind. I'm like, that isn't what he said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's also talking about how, yeah, you know, the w- with restrictions, you're gonna have to maybe go to different country to do the work that you need to do. And it's like, oh crap. <laughs> He's. <sighs> do you guys watch Venture Brothers? Not it's... as much as I should. Okay, it's you would Carlos, you would love Venture Brothers. Yeah. It is right up your alley. That that very like that kind of era of of Marvel is what they're pulling from that you, that you love, yeah, but um, dude. but it is a hundred percent a Doctor Venture thing of like, oh, these people trying to put my restrictions and you know, <laughs> what the hell is this thing made out of? Nothing. Come on. All right, fine. I might have used a few unorthodox parts. Just tell me one. An orphan. A what? <clears throat> An orphan? Did you say an orphan? Yeah, a little orphan boy. It's powered by a forsaken child. Might be kind of. I mean, I didn't use the whole thing. <laughs> Doing yeah. just really sketchiest shit imaginable. Yeah. God, it's so good. But yeah, this guy is like, you kind of get the feeling of like, I'm not sure this guy is on the level. <laughs> You're right. And uh, these people are being spied on. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> The, the the spies that we have here they they sound like Street Fighter characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's like a you know Japanese fighting game character speaking mm-hmm. English. Yeah. <laughs> hey, come on, come on! But um, even those guys are being spied on. So we mm-hmm. get like a double double level of spying. So that uh, scrawny sniper that we saw earlier is also keeping tabs on the situation. 
Yeah. And I like at, at some point, I, I forgot who says it, but they're talking about. Um, oh, that's right. Uh, uh, I think it's Oscar's having dinner with someone. Right. And they're talking about like the, the these these kids that are like, you know, have ESB and, and they're yeah, like researching yeah. and stuff. And the name of the place where they're keeping them <laughs> is called the Mental Science Exploitation Center. I wrote that oh, down, man, too. So and I was good. like, you know, at, at least they're being at least they're being honest. That's you know, ethical. To be <laughs> you got like to appreciate the like honesty. <laughs> um, but that leads to one of my favorite shots in the movie, which is. Whenever they're saying like, "Oh, these kids have been having these oh, these dude, dreams," the drawings, and yeah. and so they like are like, "Hey, you guys, have you guys drawn your dreams?" Like, "Yeah, show me what you show me what you dreamed." All the kids hold up these pictures of Godzilla. Well, children, have you finished? Yeah. Well, that's great. All right, now, children, let us see what you dreamed of, okay? <laughs> so fun and uh, oh, great yeah. yeah great framing on that shot great edit right mm-hmm. like pulling yeah. out of that uh yeah so good <laughs> and the theme godzilla's theme plays yep. yeah. immediately yeah honestly like you could argue that that's the best scene in the whole movie it's just so perfect it's such a good it's such a good shot how are making a gif of that <laughs> yeah nice um we also should mention yeah asuka and uh kirishima the her boyfriend Kirishima yeah. also works in like genetics, and um, he's he's kind of like the moral compass of the movie. But um, honestly, as the film develops, you don't get enough of that conflict back and forth because right. um, Shiragami, who is because he respects his elders just too damn much. I yeah, think. Shiragami is kind of he just gets away with everything in the movie, and all of the problems that occur in the film are really. A, his fault. But yeah, I think really smart. And we, we see this kind of thing, you know, elsewhere, but you have, you really start off with so much sympathy just because of how he lost his daughter. Um, and yeah, just enough where I, even the audience, I think you feel like a little bit culpable for like what we've allowed him to meddle with. Yep. The other thing that we are dealing with is that, I mean, obviously this is a Godzilla film. So where's Godzilla right now? At the end of the last movie, he fell into Mount Mihara. So it's kind of like his prison. And they've enacted like this, like level of alert system, like a, like a tornado. Like a terror alert system. (laughs) Yeah. And um, it's based on all the different levels of perception of Godzilla. So uh, with Miki being around, she is a psychic and um, they kind of have her fly over Mount Mihara and she can sense that Godzilla is moving. So um, the Japanese Godzilla alert one. Yep, the Japanese Defense Force. That little overlay of his skull or whatever. Yeah, with mm-hmm. like this That's after really image. Cool. It's like kind yeah. of like a infrared situation. Mm-hmm. Yep, we've got uh, a couple extra characters here. Kuroki is uh, captain in the Japanese Defense Force, and he's speaking with a man named Gondo, and he's a really fun character. He's really hamming it up and basically he's like his yeah, that's, job that's the uh that's the other uh toto minigishi that's right yeah that he's played by toto minigishi um his job is basically to fight godzilla and he's saying how if, with godzilla not being around i'm gonna be out of work so he's kind of joking about that but in their conversation kuroki mentions uh a, a bioweapon called the anti-nuclear what, let me let me get that right again <laughs> 
It's called the anti-nuclear... It's all nonsense, oh, yeah. so I don't blame you for not... It's an anti-nuclear energy bacteria. There and you it's, go. It's basically a, a weapon That's against... That's right, because they, they compare it to like the bacteria that's supposed to eat up oil and oil spills. Right, right. That mm-hmm. it eats up like nuclear energy so it could defeat Godzilla. Yep, but they sure. need uh, G cells to to create mm-hmm. it. So that's the next driving force for for our main characters. So um, Kuroki is talking with Kirishima and um, Asuka, the assistant to Shiragami, the mad scientist. Um, her father works for the Okochi company, and they have G cells. So he needs to go and speak with him about that. And he is the most scuzzy capitalist guy. <laughs> like he is, he is like Delicious. a vision of of the of the the eighties bubble economy of Japan. He's like yeah. he's like this 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 big guy with the glasses. It's all about you know got to get ahead of the competition and and everything. And it's so, it's so seamless when he ultimately hands over the cells. It's like just they're just kind of chatting and. Um, it turns into this walk and talk, and then it turns into this like hand over the bioweapon. Yeah, it's pretty easy. funny. Um, when when they go to look at the the G cells, it's like in a jar, but it looks like they just open like a filing cabinet. <laughs> There's like a yeah. filing cabinet with like a LED light in it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. G G G Godzilla. There we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um, so the other thing that I wanted to mention is that Mount Mihara. At the time in Japan, Ed Ed Gotsuchewski had said that it was an active volcano. So this was something that was oh, wow. really kind of an active, like oh, a, cool. it's relevant. So some of the footage that you see in that's the movie is actually from the active Mount Mihara. So oh, that's okay, really yeah, cool because it, it seemed I, like I, it had a little bit of that, like yeah, doc, nature document. Yeah, I was gonna say I made I made a joke in my notes that we cut to stock footage of a volcano, but mm-hmm. that's cool that that actually yeah. is the mountain. Yep. So yeah, and they had gone to Shiragami to ask him about uh, working on the G cells, and he refuted them. But he then he then has a change of heart because you you see that he's like studying uh, the plants that he's developing. He says like, if I don't uh, do this, Erica will die, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like who's gonna tell him? Yeah. Yep, and yeah. um, yeah, so. Uh, you've got uh, Kirishima here um, trying to relate his morality. You've got Shiragami trying to do his mad scientist stuff. There's even a scene with like him doing his lab work and there's like a thunderstorm with flashing in the background, which mm-hmm. is, is pretty fun. Yeah. And it does, it does kind of like, obviously he had, he had died a few years before this, but um uh, Akihiko Harada definitely would have been. I, I could see him playing this character yeah, as like an, totally. as an older guy. That's right, you know, and he, he plays the scientists in a lot of them. I could see him doing it in this. Yeah, there is actually a story that they they wanted him to be in the film, but yeah, mm-hmm. sadly he he had passed away. And um, yeah. I think he was the, pretty young. He was like mid fifties or something. He yeah, really wasn't that man. old. That's too bad. Um, mm-hmm. the the actor that played Shiragami said that if he had known that and if he had been around that he would have refused the role because there's no way that he could take his place which is Mm. it's pretty romantic thinking yeah totally and that actor is actually still with us uh koji takahashi oh cool he is yep he's he's pretty old but he's still he's still around so good for him yeah he's great in the movie dang it i mean yeah Mm -hmm. pulls a lot of 
um, yeah, I think kind of a lot of the central dramatic tension together. Really. Yeah, he has this kind of very, like, a, I don't know, like tragic a tragic di- kind of. Yeah, and I, I think mm-hmm. that's one one of the failings of this movie is that they're they're scratching at these really emotional ideas, mm-hmm. and they just don't really get to develop them in the yeah. way that you want because really, like right, right. his trauma and where that goes and how he develops Biolante and where and then just like Miki as a character is yeah. so yeah yeah fascinating and the I, I don't know it's it feels like you're watching a different movie like the the camera loves her in a very particular way and um and I don't know yeah kind of a Danny Torrance mm. quality there too that yeah is, exciting but yeah it's it's hard putting those two characters like side by side like um they're very unique and they they have a lot of like magnetic yeah. poles of the story and yeah and you it's could, hard to feel them fitting together yeah you could see it developing in like a basically you're my surrogate daughter now kind of thing but it that that doesn't yeah, really totally. happen oh I, right. I like that you say that because in one of the earlier versions of the script um, it's it's a secret throughout the film, but at the finale, you find out that Mickey is actually oh is his daughter, is, yeah, related, uh, yeah, and gotcha. I think that that could have been a really cool idea if they had mm. uh, developed that. But um, yeah, yeah and, and the other thing that we can say about that is we're talking about all these characters in their different roles throughout the film, and it's actually hard to figure out who the main character is. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. like a yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it's kind of like a um. You know, it's a, it's a group effort by all of these actors. Ensemble. And yeah, it's it's definitely an ensemble cast. And you get a couple of moments in the movie where they're all grouped together. And when you see them, it's like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. It's almost like a, I don't like Scooby-Doo gang is like in one shot, right? <laughs> but, yeah, um, I get right, you. Right. That's also something that they don't develop as far as they could have. But, I mean, we're talking sure. about how how crazy this filming mm-hmm. was so yeah i can understand that but i do feel like if there was like one more draft of this script yeah it could have been ace dude it could have mm-hmm. been like yeah so and good. it's and this is a really good movie don't get don't get us wrong this is yeah. very right, good right, but it's right. just you see so much of like it could be an incredible movie yeah. and it's just a really good movie mm-hmm. you know yep so yeah, um, i think that's fair and, and i mean i think they they don't leave everything on the floor uh, um or in the cut yeah whatever yeah the, yeah Right, whatever the expression is i got you um because yeah i mean i think there there still is uh, a fairly fairly well drawn you know like environmental message generational message um you still have a little bit of kind of like date movie energy but that that's a bit underdeveloped too i'd say um but i don't know it's like uh every scene you're in is really well shot really well acted um yeah, I would say you you're probably not going to really find yourself bumping out of the out of the movie. Yeah, and you're pushed through pretty quickly. So, um yeah. we we see that uh Shiragami, he's agreed to uh do the work for these guys, but his he he has like uh rules basically that he wants to have the G cells to himself and his lab to do his work. And then uh what you find out is that he's he's doing what he was saying. So, he's he's combining the the cells of his daughter Erica with the plant and also with the G cells. And um, when this first starts to kind of explode is when you have those uh, street fighter characters that I had mentioned, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the Western spies who are uh, 
they're acting under a organization called Biomajor. So they're in his lab and they're looking through his files. And then you've got the Seradian agent, he shows up. So it's an action sequence here. And uh, there's some more weird moments of dialogue. There was a, when, when they start to get shot at, they're starting to shoot back. And I honestly, I, I tried so hard to figure <laughs> out what they're saying. But so the, the dub titles say, shit down, we have a laser weapon. Shit down, we have a laser weapon. It sounds like they say, damn, we are a lethal weapon. Yeah, damn, we are a lethal weapon. <laughs> but then I, I, I can see because the, whenever they're talking English, the subtitles are in Japanese. And yeah. in, in Japanese, the subs say, Oretachi no nameru na yo. So it's like, don't underestimate us. It's like, yeah. So it's all over the place mm. right there. And there really isn't <laughs> a solid answer. Yeah. But um, the, the, that doesn't really matter because the exciting thing that happens yeah. here is that yeah, great yeah little like horror sequence yeah, yeah. that that this 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 movie becomes uh, could also be called Godzilla versus Audrey 2 yeah yeah, uh, yeah totally <laughs> because we had we had a plant monster yeah when apparently i read somewhere that they were like yeah i can't remember who if it was like the the director or or the producer but yeah there was some like inspiration from the frank oz movie surely there has to be i mean it's right around the same time so it's a a movie with an evil plant than the late 80s i feel like even if you didn't mean to you're in a little little bit of little shop horrors you know but but i love that it's it's not like a you you see this and you're you don't think of that right away i mean just that is like a a plant yeah it's like these these like tentacle vine things Mm -hmm. reaching out at people and it's yeah it's really cool because what i was hoping was going to happen was that it was gonna be like it's setting up there's this intrigue and international stuff and then Biolanti comes to life and just immediately kills all of them and it's like no that's not part of it that doesn't matter anymore yeah so um like a like a like jurassic park or something yeah yeah uh, in the aftermath you've got one of the the seradian guy escapes one of the bio major agents gets killed and then the other one escapes so um, Shiragami and Kirishima come back to the lab after they hear all this has like happened, and literally like my my favorite <laughs> line. Oh, that's such a good line. <laughs> He's holding the the vine, and he goes, "I think now I may have made a mistake." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's like <laughs> so some straight up good. like Zucker Brothers like level yeah. like comedic delivery right there. I mean, that's like, some, you know, like jo- that's some Joe Bluth. I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It is like a. You know. I thought that combining Godzilla cells with a plant that could was replicating itself like triple its size every day was a good idea. But you know, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, now. it's so good. Yeah. Well, especially because I think it was just like one or two scenes earlier where he has that line. It's like, uh, you just really don't understand science or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. Um, yeah, because Kirishima continues to kind of push against the work that they want to do, which also is kind of funny to think about, too, if that's like the work that he's involved in. And every scene that he's he's around, he's talking about how these guys should stop doing this stuff. Like, what's what's going on here? Yeah. But um, well, the development now is that uh, this whatever this is, we don't know what it is yet. It's escaped the lab. 
and also we've got bio major acting and they're basically under the guise of a terrorist organization i think they're called yeah. alien they say yeah. that they've rigged mount mihara and if they don't get the the g cells they will ignite mount mihara basically releasing godzilla so mm -hmm. um now we get some more little bit of action spy antics and the reveal of Biolanti's oh, first man. form, I guess, is so yeah, good. Amazing. Because it's like these people are saying, like, what's what's going on? There's something going on this in this lake. And then we see like all these people looking up, and it's an amazing shot from the like low on the ground looking up at yeah, this totally. giant rose creature. Yeah. It's a really and cool great thing. Fog or dry ice or yeah. something. It's just kind of like bathing, bathing the shots. Yep. So in, mm -hmm. in the making of feature they're talking about this specific shot in this scene. So they were able to get a special camera that was able to do like 70 millimeter compositing. And oh, um, cool. yeah, that's what you see. There's all the news crews and the crowd looking on to the lake. And as it pans up, you see it, it composites into the, you know, the, the large Toho pool with Biolante dramatically lit behind it wow. yeah ilm started doing a lot of that kind of stuff in the 80s with like a vista vision which was oh. like an old uh like you know giant format during kind of the cine cinerama like competitive days oh cool and they would um yeah they'd use that so for shots where they knew it was going to have to go through like several steps of compositing so that it could you would like have the maintain that, like retaining that quality yeah, yeah. fidelity and stuff. that's really cool and the, and now our uh our scientist walks up and just names it off the top of his head, <laughs> Biolante. Um, yeah, and he... in, in the in this this led me down a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. They um he says that it's named after a thing from Norse mythology. It's not <laughs> right. It's completely made up. <laughs> I love that though. Biolante's the name. Biolante, the spirit of a plant that appears in Norse mythology, but that plant has a human spirit. But that's, I feel like that's accurate to the movie. Like, everyone just gives this guy so much leash. That's true. It's like, that's just true. Not like well, he's, he's a scientist. He has, to, he has to be saying it right. That's so um, awesome. But, but also, bios is a Greek word. So it wouldn't make sense for that. And I looked it up. Um, I did try to see if there was like a Norse thing. Cause I, I, it doesn't come up too much on the podcast, but I really love studying mythologies and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there is a goddess of like earth, like nature in Norse mythology, which is Jord. Um, and life in Old Norse is leaf. So it's oh. pretty much just life. Oh, cool. So it would be funny if it was named Life Lanty or something. Oh, so, oh. so um, but yeah, I, I, can... I, do, I do think Biolanty is a good name, though. It's a great name. I think it's awesome. So, yeah. um, but actually, so. If you look on the Wikizilla page for Biolante, there's a little section about Biolante's name. And uh, according to Shinichiro Kobayashi, um, he said that he got it from a French poem from the 19th century by a poet named Paul Verlaine. And it's specifically a passage that says, De violon de l'automne. And he said he basically oh. combined the word violin, which... Uh, Violon, oh. you know, the French word. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then um, he added the katakana character te at the end. And he basically noted that no other kaiju uses te at the end. Because if you think of like 
all the kaiju names there's like it's usually us or ra at the end so he he had like intent to kind of make it stand out so it's interesting you think that you know bio biolante but it's actually from violin which i think is pretty kind of a cool coincidence here yeah and it goes with that kind of the kind of more like you know like flowers and stuff it kind of has like a more soft imagery going with this giant horrible monster you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah so Bi- biolante is born yeah and and this is the first form and um like i said earlier we see our ensemble cast here i i love how the shot looks with them on the dock staring out towards mm-hmm. it because you've got kind of asuka and kirishima on either side but the the two kind of more invested characters are uh, Shiragami and Miki. So Miki has like a psychic power going on. So she can sense Biolante's kind of anguish. Yeah. And then at the same time, you've got almost a proud Shiragami here. He's like, yeah. basically, he's like, you know, here is my my creation, basically. Yeah. And, and I love um, that the the young scientist says to him, like, are you proud of yourself? And he's kind of like, eh, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. he's a look like, you know, a little bit. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, I think that kind of play between these characters mm-hmm. is really fun. But um, yeah, yeah uh, besides that, we've also got our Japanese Defense Force guys. They're making a deal with Biomajor. So they're handing a case mm-hmm. over with the G-cells. And then they're uh, ambushed by the Saradian agent. And a Saradian agent then uh, ends up killing the biomajor guy and the, the truck crashes and the truck that he's driving has like the control for their like the, the bomb, which is like hilarious. It's like a basically a secret base in the back of this. It, like, it kind uh, of it yeah. kind of looks like the base from versus Mechagodzilla. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. but in a truck. Huge console with lights uh-huh. and displays and everything. But um, they aren't able to disable the bomb, and it goes off. And now, here we are, about 40 minutes into the film, and Godzilla makes his debut. Mm-hmm. I love that whenever they see the bomb's about to go off, they say, Amen. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fun. <laughs> um, and Godzilla here, I think, uh, when I think of Godzilla, besides like kind of like the the old era this is like the definitive godzilla for me he's hmm. got such a I can totally he has a really good look yeah, yeah a sculpted look he's got the kind of perfect kind of angry expression but still yeah. a little emotion to like his face like he doesn't have cute eyes but he has like detailed pupils so you can kind of see like how angry he gets <laughs> yeah um but, but he <laughs> i put awesome. in my notes that in this scene he looks like he's at a monster truck rally <laughs> <laughs> yeah because <laughs> there's a bunch that. of like explosions going behind oh, him man. as he's kind of waving yeah. his arms around it's not truckzilla it's he's not he's not truck yeah he's not truckosaurus he's... <laughs> but yeah it's just he's really cool like so yeah. expertly crafted i mentioned the teeth godzilla's teeth look so cool in this movie they do and yeah, um, they did a, they a lot of a lot of teeth work there is a lot of there is a lot of dental yeah right even as biolante develops um even this flower form that we see eventually you see little sharp teeth coming out um and uh yeah yeah it's pretty great so now we kind of have the 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 chess pieces out are they're slowly moving towards each other and you did a little research on because there's like a now that godzilla is very much out and about the news is reporting on it and 
there's like a guy that's briefly we see on TV that has like oh, this yeah. skull what's, thrown and he has like metal like he has like this yeah. face paint on and stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this is a man uh, at the time he was going by Demon Kogure. So he's like the lead singer of a band called Seikimatsu. He's also a huge Godzilla fan. And um, oh, cool. Yeah, actually, the, some of their music is on Spotify. And just recently they released like a concert, like a live album. And actually, like the intro of them coming out to stage is the Godzilla theme. Oh, <laughs> oh cool! Which is really, really exciting. But yeah, he gets a little cameo here. It's kind of like a almost seems like a Sven Gulli kind of like late yeah. night horror theater <laughs> yeah, kind of situation. Yeah, an Elvira kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and then um, yeah, I always forget. I think Sven Gulli is like only like a regional thing. There's all these yeah. different regional characters like yeah. that. But um. He's interrupted and he's like, oh, yeah, right before this. I mean, I'll be back, but here's the breaking news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like in the dub. He's like, oh, people of Tokyo, you've done well to tune in for this is a show that's got everything. You'll see a uh, news item coming in. Just don't go away. That's really fun. <laughs> and then there's, the, uh, I think it's the second journalist and she's utterly unfazed by yeah. what comes across her yeah. desk. It's, she's, she's it's like, yeah, uh, this just in uh, Godzilla is heading towards Osaka. Huh. Anyways, back to weather. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We do get a really fun transition, though, where it, like, switches to, like, a... a like Oh, a, that, like, CG. Like a grid. Yeah, yeah. like, kind yeah. of wireframe Godzilla. Mm -hmm. And that kind of little clumsily transitions into the shot of Godzilla in the big Toho pool. And, I, I mean, honestly, when you're looking at the shots here, the way that they handle the camera and the way that they handle these angles, yeah. you you really get a sense of huge, vast ocean with what's Godzilla. And when oh, you, yeah, it looks so good. Yeah, when you see the behind the scenes of it, it's like it makes you appreciate it even more that they were able to make things look to the scale that they do. Because one of the things we didn't mention, because we didn't cover the last movie, but at the beginning of the movie, when you see Godzilla, he's blasting through a city. And um, one of the major differences that you'll notice is that the scale is a lot grander. Now there's skyscrapers yeah, yeah. like up uh, towering above Godzilla and he's blasting through holes through the buildings. And um, we're starting to see like the kind of them flexing their special effects muscle with the scale here because there's these big battleships and there's like these very large, like, I mean, to, comparatively to Godzilla, these helicopters and they actually use remote control helicopters for a lot of these shots and there's some also some cool mount mihara behind the scenes footage of them using those and it just it looks really cool and um the other factor we haven't really mentioned is that the military has a weapon yeah. to fight godzilla and uh, we're introduced to it officially earlier but now we're starting mm -hmm. to see it in action it's yeah, called in action the super x2 so in yeah. um return of godzilla there's the super x which was um, I had feeling, like. yeah, you know how that goes, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then and then because they're talking about how like this is way better and is definitely not going to get destroyed by Godzilla, <laughs> right? It, they they spend the fun amount of time describing the abilities and mm -hmm. the durability of this, but I mean you're here to see things blow up, right? So yeah. we're gonna get to see and a little bit of that. I put in my notes, uh, Thunderbirds are go. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, it is totally. it is very Thunderbirds with the mm -hmm. like you know special. You know, thing and he the and the as its own the theme music song is too. so cool yeah yeah
was yeah i was hoping you guys would enjoy that too it has like this i mean honestly like kind of john williams superman i, I wrote i wrote yeah. this not superman john williams music <laughs> yeah but the way that even that develops really is kind of its own thing and i think it's mm-hmm. it's really enjoyable it is it's just mm-hmm. it is it's in a similar vein yeah i guess yeah heroic things flying through the sky can only sound so many ways yeah so this is basically yeah. a drone. This is my Pacific Rim, I think. Oh, <laughs> nice. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> um, it's basically like a drone that uh, can be controlled remotely. And um, the, the very special ability that it has is a thing called the fire mirror, which is like a diamond layered uh, reflective like weapon. So if Godzilla shoots his beam, it'll be reflected back at him. Like, I don't know, they say like 10,000 times. And the Super X2 is also making like Pac-Man noises. <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> oh, yeah. The like, charge up the do 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 do. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Because really it's cool. cutting between the, the like the wireframe look and the, the real world. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, now at the point where the Saradian agent has the G cells, you're going to get these shots of him like oh yeah it's got has to cut back to him trying to escape japan (laughs) you'll see that sprinkled throughout the rest of the Mm -hmm. um second act of the movie yeah yeah because all of the all the flights have been delayed because of you know godzilla so Mm -hmm. oh there's an interesting line in the dub too when they're talking about um like grounding all air air travel and basically using Godzilla as a cover, but really they're just trying to keep the bioweapon from escaping. Right. And someone even says it's like, it may be wise to wait before you give the all clear. If I were you, sir, I'd tell the press that we're still fighting Godzilla in the Uraga channel. Karagi, that's deliberate disinformation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> super, super timely. Yep. Yeah. We're the, we're the, we're, we're the government. We can't be dishonest to accomplish <laughs> yeah. our own means. But now we, we go back to Biolanti and... Uh, Miki says that she doesn't hear the spirit because the spirit of Erica is in Biolanti and she says she doesn't hear it anymore. That's a great line too, where the, uh, the, I think it's Oscar says it's, it basically doesn't have the spirit of your daughter anymore. Now it's just a violent monster. That's a cross between a plant and Godzilla. (laughs) Right. So good. (laughs) Very specific Venn diagram Mm -hmm. right there. Yep. But now we get to see them uh fight because uh Super X two kinda gets gets decommissioned. Um, yeah, the the fire mirror is doing okay for a while, but it's starting to overheat. Yeah. And uh, you know, Godzilla is unstoppable. So um yeah, slowly Godzilla is being he's basically the way they say it's like they sense each other, so they're being drawn to each other. And um, what Shiragami says is that, you know, they're drawn to each other because they are the same thing. Violante is made from Godzilla's same cells. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a a sequence where you've got like a military, the the Japanese defense force is moving in on the same territory. And actually, yeah, there's a really great um, track, too. It's like, what's what's the name of that track? I love it. The track Carlos is talking about here is called Sweet Three Scramble March on the OST. Well, anyways, I, the the track that plays uh, while they're um, m- uh, mobilizing, I I love it so much. But even still, yeah, like sometimes so it kind of has this lighter tone, where it seems kind of fun. Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, when a lot of times yeah. the music editor is like uh, preceding a cut, and 
it seems like unfortunately like whenever they're doing that with a cue it's like very tonally out of place mm. mm-hmm. and so it's like you'll be closing out like a really somber dramatic dialogue scene and then you have this really kind of chipper like fanfaric thing yeah like, what is happening like why <laughs> are you doing right and yeah. it, again it's like if you were if the composer is actually spotting that they of course of course aren't going to be yeah, they're not going to be that insensitive to to the material, and so it's. Uh, but I don't know. It's like sometimes those those weird, um, I don't know, approaching techniques the way, the wrong way, like leads to I don't know, leads to something pretty unique. And it's definitely like we've been saying, it's definitely very unique uh, implementation of music. Yeah, I I completely agree. And um, yeah, now now we're finally seeing our uh our battle between these two creatures and um yeah one thing we haven't really mentioned is that violante has this kind of sorrowful like a whale cry and um yeah i think yeah that's also one of the things that it's like oh this is such a cool idea it could really develop into something like masterful and just doesn't really quite get there and um in this encounter between violante and godzilla it's it's really cool because violante attacks with her vines and um there's not a lot of fisticuffs here but you still get a kind of a cool like drama of like oh godzilla's all uh wired up basically how's he gonna get out and um one of the i mean obviously eventually he's gonna blast them so when he (laughs) attacks biolante it's a critical attack it's it's honestly one and done okay yeah you're you you can't really handle me and i i do feel like one of the other things that is kind of lacking is that um you don't get really really like a super impactful use of godzilla's atomic breath up until this point like every other time when you see him it's basically like his mouth just opens and it just shoots out. It's not really dramatic, but you get a really cool moment here where he you get like a really tight look on his face and then he very dramatically uh releases his atomic breath. And um yeah, Biolante is basically destroyed. Um there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a struggle, but it's really one-sided here. And um I think this is also this kind of play on making Biolante a threat, but also there's kind of like this tragedy to Biolante that really could have yeah, been totally. played up and really kind of added to kind of like the almost like a horror uh aspect. And I, I yeah. think when you when you see Biolante, you, you think about like, oh, this is kind of like almost like a a horror looking monster design. And I mean, even more so when we see Biolante towards the end of the film. But um mm-hmm. Here, it's just like kind of like, okay, all right, Godzilla's messing you up. There's a little bit of, uh, what is it, like the acid. There's like some acid spit going on. It's not, it gets a lot more in the second fight, but Violante is very goopy. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of goop in this. Yeah. And and goop foley work too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's real gross. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But uh, they get defeated and she kind of turns into this like, sparks kind of thing that ascends into the sky yeah and and it is yeah there's this really like kind of sad music that plays yeah Yeah. the last time i was watching it with joanna i was mentioning that it it honestly sounds like the cue in shadow of the colossus whenever i was literally trying to avoid saying shadow of the colossus i'm glad you said it no it's okay it's totally totally we're totally in the same spot so um it does really have the same kind of 
tone and sadness of when you defeat a Colossus in Shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Um, Where you're like, you're super like, yes! And then it's this really sad music. And you know. Yep. <laughs> and that, and that, the uh, Kalatani worked on a lot of Godzilla movies too. So, yeah, we may be talking about oh, that. Yeah, 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 yeah we, we probably will talk about one at some point. <laughs> um, so the, there's a really cool story from Ed Gazicheski in that making of where, um, when they do the effects for Biolante getting hit, you see that there's like this, like, um, what you mentioned earlier, Marty, like a dry ice kind of, um, vapor coming up and um one of the uh it's it was like a happy accident was that when they used that it actually dissolved the adhesive that was holding the petals onto Biolante and it created the effect that the petals were falling away and it was something that they hadn't planned but actually ended up looking awesome yeah that looks really cool wow yeah really really cool so yeah Biolante defeated question mark <laughs> yeah uh we see they're now trying to repair super x2 yeah and there's um, a remark... we got some great great war room scenes there's a lot of good war room in this in this yeah. movie there was a remark earlier that it was like i think yeah i think it was earlier where they're saying godzilla and biolante are fighting you know what does that mean for us and they were like basically whoever wins will become our enemy you know they're yeah. basically whoever is the loser is the loser but we're still gonna have to deal with the winner so now Godzilla is on his way to Osaka. Yeah, that's going to be awesome, too, because, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, there's this like really great like cityscape situation going on with these effects guys. And we're going to see that uh, put to good use in his Osaka scene. But, yeah, he has to get there first. <laughs> He's not going <laughs> to uh, blast away in a shrimp like curl like he does in the old show of movies <laughs> or slide across <laughs> the ground on his tail yeah. <laughs> not yet and that that that's most of the next few minutes is just a lot of like mobilization mm-hmm. uh, we get to see a lot of great shots of of helicopters and you know tanks and jeeps and stuff there is a really in. cool scene though where they're talking about miki's psychic abilities and they're saying that yeah maybe she's gonna she could be able to tap into godzilla and affect him and um yeah this is like just so cool to me and um mm-hmm. i think that she's such a great addition to a movie like this kind of mm-hmm. opens up the door to a lot of different ideas and i think that them adding her is just so fun yeah and that's cool that she's in a yeah, bunch of like... the movies too after this yeah, um, yeah, it's great. And the yeah, and that actually we could just jump into that scene because now we get to see uh Mickey and Asuka getting dropped off on a helipad in the middle of the in the middle of the sea mm-hmm. uh for her to kind of try to communicate. Um and that's a great line too where the um the young major says, like, I, I trust in her ability in ESP. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, some really cool like they're they're straight up on a helipad. And uh, there's some really cool shots of the helicopter leaving and having them standing there. And um, what you see then is that you have only a handful of really, um, if you think about all the films, there's really only a handful of scenes where Godzilla like straight up looks at a person like you yeah. know one individual person yep. and that's what we're well, yeah, it's seeing. super inspired too, because at least in the films that we've been watching on this arc, there's there's kind of a ritual of focusing in on you know human dilemma and often like interlocking human bureaucracy and then we tee up basically a monster scale sequence 
and it's pretty like strong boundary between those things. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, yeah, just such a brilliant idea. What you were just saying a few minutes ago, just the character of Miki in general, but then the fact that uh, we really believe that, um, in this moment here that if, if there is any human on earth that could have some kind of impact on Godzilla, it's her. And yeah, just really, really stunning. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, unfortunately, the feedback is a little too much. Um, oh man! Who knows how big Godzilla's brain is, but <laughs> she she gets knocked out because of this interaction. And Godzilla's like, "Yeah, that's right," and then he leaves. <laughs> yeah, and he he walks very slowly in the water. Um, but now we're at Godzilla Alert Four, and this was another another two second thing that I sent me down a rabbit hole they need to evacuate Osaka and uh, there's a concert that they have to break up. Although I love that they say it's a concert. We never actually see people in a concert or anything. It pans over to like a venue from the outside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the song that's playing is a song called, uh, let's see, wrote it down. You may know Naka A by Yuki Saito. Who's like a pop idol from the late eighties. It's, yeah, it's a bob. It's just funny to hear like this very much a pop song playing for like three seconds mm-hmm. for a person to say, hey, right. sh- show's over, Godzilla's in town. Yeah, so. um, I was sending you guys some of those tracks because this is a song that's been covered many, many times. And Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, at first when you sent it, I didn't realize that was the song. And then the thing that led me to digging up more versions was that Gondo, like the the scene following, everybody's being evacuated and they cut away from that. But um, when Gondo pulls up in a car and he gets out, he's singing the lines from that song. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh I know so what cool. song that is. And then I started to look up the versions that I know of it. Oh, it's that's been, really funny. Yeah, it's been used in anime. Dude, that's an awesome yeah. touch. And uh, it's been used, like, a couple bands that I like have covered it. But um, then as I was digging, I was like, oh, that's the song that that Matthew dug up. And I was mm. like, oh, it's directly linking the scene, the scenes together, which is pretty gotcha. fun. That's cool. Yep. But this is hilarious, though, because... Um, Gondo and Kuroki arrive. What was it? Gondo and Kuroki or Gondo and Kirishima? Yeah, Gondo and Kirishima. (laughs) It is. No, it is. And um, they're cornering a Seradian guy who has a suitcase. And um, it's Seradian in this in this scene. It's Seradian in most of it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. One of the things we we didn't really mention is that there's a lot of this kind of spy stuff actiony stuff what i would Mm -hmm. say is that all of the kind of fighting interaction stuff between the humans is really sloppily handled (laughs) it is but um the thing that's hilarious here is that it lands on a looney tunes like bonk on this guy's head (laughs) and they literally like do like the sound effects so yeah they they've recovered the the g cells but now the seradian whoever the guy was from the the bio like genetics place he's contacting the agent i believe his name is sss9 and um so now they've uh they know they don't have the g cells but they basically put a hit out on shiragami 
And um, that's something that if you're not really paying attention, you just like whatever. But oh, um, I certainly didn't know that. Yeah. So <laughs> right the second. So yeah, at the end of the movie, that's then then you see what happens. But yeah, yeah. Um, more importantly, right now, Godzilla has made his way to Osaka. That's a good shot where the the Seradian guys looking out the window, he uh, opens up the <laughs> yeah. blinds and we see Godzilla walking across the city. I love his, uh, that, like you were saying, Marty, the sink sound, he goes like, damn, it's Godzilla. That's, that's a really good, <laughs> I love there's it. a lot of good cursing in English in <laughs> yeah. the original audio, but that's a, that's a great one. I would love to open my blinds and just see Godzilla. Like, how cool would that <laughs> yeah. be? You say that now. I mean, yeah, yeah it'd be. It you know suck, what? But if if, if awesome. Carlos, if Carlos died in a Godzilla related incident, I feel <laughs> oh, like, dude. you know, you know, he yeah, went, he, a, he had yeah, a good, that's a noble end. That's a good way sure. to go out. He died like he lived. He, he died like he lived. Yeah. <laughs> he died like he dreamed. Really. Yeah. yeah that Beautiful. Is, but we're seeing the, the cool, like awesome scale of this city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the you know, Kenpachiro Satsuma, who is the suit actor for this Godzilla, um yeah, it must have been so fun to just kind of be in this playground of a, a huge city because you've got bridges, you've got rivers running through Osaka, you've got these gigantic buildings kind of towering around you. It's just really, really cool. Um he he does he has had stories about um his work in the suit and i in this movie sp- specifically he said he'd have to wear like goggles to help him see while he's in the suit and actually um oh wow um he was kind of critical of biolante because since biolante is just this gigantic monster that really can't move it was really up to him all of the the acting and all of the fighting so he, sure. he was kind of yeah selling all those yeah, kind of wow. critical of that but that, that being said there is there are people in those Biolante outfits to to manipulate certain things. So the the Rose had a person in there, basically like on a platform with like a lever, being able to move certain things. And that's not even to mention all of the vines. The, all the vines are controlled by, um, you know, yeah. wires. And yeah, that picture that you shared behind the scenes looks insane. So yeah. cool. Yeah, as yeah. we get to the the final form, yeah, that gets even crazier. But um yeah the super x2 shows up and we've got gondo and our crew they have that anti uh nuclear um weapon and Mm -hmm. um you've got these guys on foot they're positioning themselves in buildings and they're basically trying to inject godzilla with this weapon and it's basically supposed to neutralize him but um what ends up what it what it made me think of was edf (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's totally that which I'm sure I'm obviously they've pulled from a lot of movies, but I'm I could see them talking about this specific scene, just the whole guys on the ground with a big rocket launcher to shoot at this giant creature is mm-hmm. very EDF. Yep. But uh, seeing the Super X2 blasting at Godzilla mm-hmm. and I mean, like I was saying, Kenpachiro Satsuma, he's basically, I don't know, a pincushion for all of these fireworks. Mm-hmm. Sure. And sure. Um, uh, they're they're blasting him. There's some really cool of those. um the mechanized Godzilla like tight shots here and uh the Super X2 is destroyed it's basically sacrificed to get Godzilla in position for the uh soldiers to be able to uh inject him with that so they they are successful in their attack but Godzilla does not react to it in the way that they hoped and um Gondo our our hero here he has like 
some great lines. I think he's like, you know, you should take your medicine orally <laughs> or something like it's, that. That's another weird dove line. That's probably the most different dove line. He says something like, All this intravenous stuff's no good for you. Stick to smoking. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, what? what? <laughs> it's a very bizarre line. Yeah. Uh, but then he but then he gets killed because yeah, he, he shoots cool into character. Godzilla's mouth, but he doesn't it doesn't take him down fast enough. And now they're like, why isn't it working? And we get another moment where Godzilla zeroes in on a specific person. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he- and if, we find out that it's because he's not hot enough. He's a cold-blooded creature, obviously. So yep. <laughs> so they need to get his temperature up. Yeah. And how and else are you going to do that? But by shooting lightning at him. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Was <laughs> uh, it called the TC system? TC Thunder, Thunder Control yeah. System. Control. I love how that enters. Like he just mentions it. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? This yeah. is like a prototype weapon. He's like, ah, oh, whatever. It's going to serve the plot. Let's do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's And that's where we get a little bit of that like talking about the generations thing whenever they're in the yeah, helicopter yeah. flying over and the Shiragami says something about how like, you know, it's, you know, basically we messed this up. It's up to the next generation. And then uh, one other guy says, like, you know, if it, if we make the same, mis- not so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like our generation's not great. If, if we make the same mistakes, then it's not really a new era. So which I, yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's, yeah. It's a, ni- it's a nice little moment. Um, and then another two second shot that led me down a rabbit hole is uh, Mickey's drawing with a <laughs> tablet, and that tablet is oh called... that Sony thing. Yeah, the yeah. Sony tablet. My Sony. Or... My first Sony electronic sketch pad. Dude, it looked awesome. We'll grab a yeah. clip of the audio because it's like whenever you draw, it makes like a <laughs> it's woo, so woo, silly. woo woo. This hilarious scene that's played for dramatic effect, but mm-hmm. it's just so funny because it's just it's like her doing Mario her. paint. <laughs> yeah, and there's this goofy noise going. <laughs> yeah, I laugh out loud. But she's drawing a, a rose floating in space, mm-hmm. and that that comes into play in a minute. Yep, and and Godzilla. Now these guys are mobilizing. We've got this operation here with the TC system, and we see that wireframe again. That's really fun. And we also see in the military something I don't think we've seen on our Godzilla series yet. But these are like these tanks with like kind of satellite-looking cannons, and um, these are Mazer cannons so this is something that goes way back to the 60s and um yeah they're they're like an iconic uh weapon to fight kaiju and in toho um so it's it's really cool seeing a like late 80s early 90s design for the mazer cannons i like it yeah and they they seem pretty pretty formidable against godzilla he's he's not taking these hits lightly and uh, he's mm-hmm. he's stepping on all the landmines too. They have like this grid set up, and anytime Godzilla crosses into the path of the TC system, they ignite it, and they're trying to raise his temperature so that he's affected by that anti-nuclear um, uh, energy bacteria. Yeah, which that's such a video gamey thing. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Um, like, I feel like that's I feel like there's a Dungeons and Dragons monster where you have to like its weakness is getting too hot or something. Oh, I can see that. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
If but, not, I should make one next time I play. Anyways. Oh, yeah, you should. Miki has recovered after her encounter with Godzilla earlier. And she, like we said, she's drawing this rose. And she can sense that Biolante has not died. Biolante is still around. So they make their way to the battlefield to inform Kuroki. And as they do that, um, she's lured outside by the sense of Biolante. And this is the beginning of our final encounter. So now... The, the floor ruptures and you hear the roars, but now it's more than just the wails that you you heard earlier. Now there's almost like this low elephant roar yeah. to the final form of Biolante. And we see yeah. it and it's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. She looks great. It yeah. is such a cool design and it's cool like redesign. It's very long. It's like a like a crocodile or something mm-hmm. with this long new uh, oh, yeah. nose. It's long snout. That's the word I'm looking for. And and yeah, she she pops up from the ground and she's way bigger than Godzilla now, too, which this, is so cool. Yeah, this is the largest um, kaiju in on a film up to this point, I believe. And uh, it was an incredible undertaking. Um, uh, Fuyuki Shinada, the, the guy that I mentioned that made the outfit, said that originally when he was designing it and making it, he realized that he was making it off site at a, a company called Build Up. And uh, it was too big to fit into the doorway at the studio. So they had to make it in pieces <laughs> for it to fit. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, so cool. And there's there's one specific shot I'm definitely going to make a gif of where she like charges towards Godzilla with all the tendrils moving around. It's such yeah. a cool shot. Yeah. That's like the perfect shot of the film. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. like I mentioned earlier, it's a situation where they got the suit to filming so late in uh, the filming schedule that honestly I feel like this final battle does suffer a little bit f- because of that um you you, you kind of it sounded like the crew really didn't even know what they could or couldn't do with this monstrosity. But um, uh, like I shared with you guys earlier, the, the shot behind the scenes with like literally like dozens of wires to, to manipulate mm. all of the vines and uh, Biolante herself. Um, there's stories of them having to get onlookers that were like there while they were filming to help, manipulate the wires because it was <laughs> such an undertaking so that's really uh, cool yeah it's it's really exciting to see this thing moving around and um seeing godzilla kind of dwarfed next to it you get some some violent moments too where uh, the vine pierces godzilla's palm and stabs godzilla Ooh, in the yeah, shoulder that's a good one. Yeah, so there was also some unused stuff that there are storyboards for, and one of them is, I believe it's for the um, the earlier scene, the Ashinoko version of Biolante, but there would be a moment where Godzilla's blood were, was going to spill out after it was wounded, and um, like onlookers would be covered in Godzilla's radioactive blood, and they would like have like a horrific death (laughs) which sounds insane but it was a little too much for the film and i think it would be uh, a little too crazy anyways so um but just like earlier um biolante is really weak to godzilla's blast and once godzilla starts blasting uh, it's not much longer than biolante is defeated and that's kind of unfortunate too because it's it's this situation mm-hmm. where you feel like oh this is gonna go somewhere else because the way that it's edited and the way that the 
the the battle is moving it feels like okay maybe Biolante is gonna evolve again or maybe Biolante has some kind of last ditch uh, effort but um it just kind of ends and um yeah Godzilla is kind of he, he, there's this shot where you don't really know what's happening but what you realize is that it's that um the weapon that he's been infected with is finally yeah it's finally taking, taking effect. effect and um there's a really great shot though like when Biolante is kind of in the middle of its like critical damage where there's like these red flashes and you get some of this rotoscoped animated like effects on everything and man i just wish they had like some more time to make this mm -hmm. look so good because this could have been like really really amazing but unfortunately it kind of is sloppily handled at yeah. the end for for me sure. for me yeah is biolante in any other uh godzillas so yeah biolante has not appeared in anything else biolante has appeared in like oh, wow. games and stuff yeah. and um i honestly i feel like the just the sheer scale of biolante and the yeah, idea that, that I, th I think actually now in an era where computer graphics are you know the the go-to i mean we could see something with biolante again and i think that it would be cool to kind of develop that out into something but uh yeah i don't know i don't know and um so we uh we see godzilla basically clock out <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah godzilla kind of tries to do his classic return to the sea and there's an awesome like it's perfectly framed for him to walk into the uh, into the ocean and then he just kind of faints and falls down yeah um there's a couple of things like as far as the effects go that weren't weren't used but you can find them now um one uh there's some stop motion that they tested using with godzilla oh, wow. yeah fighting the biolante vines and they just thought it didn't look it looked too different to be included and um also there's a sequence that's actually straight up animated where uh biolante is like consuming godzilla and it's like a really short clip and it looks kind of unfinished but it looks like it could have been really cool but also looks very different than the rest of the yeah. film so i understand why they didn't include sure. it sure. yeah so when when biolante like dies we see those spores start to fly up and away again and you get this like <laughs> i don't know studio it's like superimposed yeah, yeah a little of portrait of the actress that plays erica which kind of floating up with it pretty hammy <laughs> it's very cheesy it made yeah. me laugh um yeah. so there's yeah it's not quite like a clip art <laughs> like yeah. rotos I, I, I don't know yeah it's another kind of a yeah, it's not that... quite bad enough and it's not quite yeah 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 it's not quite inspired enough. i feel like there's some other way you can convey that oh, the spirit sure. of of Erica is going up into the sky, yeah. Inclu including but, doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, you could do nothing because just we're, trust that the audience understands. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, the um, Biolante's theme, like the sorrowful theme that Sugiyama has composed, yeah. like really is all you need to mm -hmm. hear. Like, yeah. like you're saying, Marty, like that would be plenty. And um, you you get the sense, okay, this movie's ending, right? No, he was about to say, and that would have been a really great right. place in the movie because it's very emotionally satisfying. Yeah, no, uh, we have to and, do and then, a whole sequence of action and nonsense. Yeah, but then we gotta do a chase scene. Yeah, although so, we'll say uh, that I had to I had to look it up uh, for this one, but the car that the 
Serradian guy drives is yeah, awesome. Is that it's a Supra? It's a Starion. Is that how you say it? Mitsubishi. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, All right. Yeah. Sh- again, shout out to the internet movie car database. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it says in a Mitsubishi Starry. Do you say it's Starion? I've sounds I've good never to heard me. Anyone say it online? Sure. Yeah. Um, but anyways, but it's a. It is the the Japanese '80s car. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see it in like I think it's in like City Hunter, and you'll see it in like a lot of a lot of anime that takes place in the. 80s will have it it's a very distinctive car and it's very cool yeah awesome uh, i'm not even i'm not even a huge car guy and i immediately was like i know that car i know <laughs> i've seen that around the reason that we see the car though is that yeah shiragami is having like this change of heart he's like oh maybe the stuff that i was doing was wrong or yeah. we're you know we're the monsters basically yeah he basically says humans are the real monsters yeah you get a kind of like a I don't know. It's like they're trying to do like a Sarazawa kind of thing, maybe, mm-hmm. but not really. And it doesn't really work. But uh, that being said, it doesn't matter because he's shot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shiragami <laughs> is assassinated by the Seradian agent and that and it, that uh, Kirishima uh, makes chase and he chases him across to the uh, TC field and their cars crash, and um, the Serradian agent is zapped away by the TC system, <laughs> which also is oh, that really made me abrupt laugh. <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, he just he stands on it, and then it's just yep. he just disappears, <laughs> which is like <sighs> pretty awesome, but also in a way it's like out of nowhere. But anyways, yeah. So uh, that happens, and then Asuka meets up with Kirishima. And the finale of the film is Godzilla waking up and mm. making his way out into the ocean. And in the credits, we get to see a rose floating up in space, just like the like Biki was drawing earlier. Right. So what what I can say is that those G cells that have or the the, the cells that have gone up into space, mm-hmm. those cells will return. <laughs> oh. Oh, is but, that? But you it, don't need yeah, to. Sorry, if it's another it. episode. If it is, yep. it, is that Space Godzilla? That is Space Godzilla. Is, okay, because I was looking at a list of the kaiju. I was like, Space Godzilla. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this for me, the Godzilla versus Biollante is the high mark of this era, and uh, I'm so happy that you guys had fun with this movie. Because <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. Honestly, Dude, I was so I was getting fun. worried after Mecha Godzilla. I was like, oh no, I'm forcing these guys through all this stuff. But... <laughs> no, dude, no trust in yourself okay, cool. and it's like yeah. dude and mech and honestly yeah mecha godzilla like set us up perfectly for this and like that that also is that's its own awesome experience you know yeah but yeah, yeah that I, is, I don't know there, that there's is. a lot there's a lot that this movie i don't that leaves you with and i don't know i keep seeing so many images from like just the beautiful like sparks falling from the sky mm-hmm. and um just again yeah that opening close up on godzilla so much of it yeah just really really special movie awesome. yeah you can feel the you can feel how much more like i don't know if like the budget was even that much more but just so much more production like knowledge in this movie yeah, like it totally. feels a lot less sound stagey uh a lot more modern as weird as that is to say for a movie that's <laughs> over 30 years old but right um but yeah but it's 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 really good it's a big recommend yeah just really savvy kind of like um special effects wise mm-hmm. and i mean especially once you spelled out really the like the backstory of how this is put together yeah. i mean 
yeah, it still just like defies all logic. So, dude, yeah, what a what a success this thing is. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it for this week, but thank you so much for listening to our show here. If you enjoyed it, then you can leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on, uh, especially Apple Podcasts is the big one. Uh, Stitcher closed down. Did you see that? What? I, I never yeah, even I, I never really even that. used it too much, God. but it was always the one that the people also talked about. So, RIP and peace, Stitcher. Dang. Um, uh, you can listen to a review on whatever you're listening to this on. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Here is the Number Three Podcast. Um, if you have a Heisei era Godzilla that you like more than this one, then email us. We're uh, Heroes the Number Three Podcast at gmail.com. And so we are uh, we're continuing. This is again this is a, a Godzilla sized arc to cover Godzilla. <laughs> That's right. So we got a couple more movies coming at you. So Carlos, what is our training for next week? So we're moving away from the Heisei era, and beyond that, there's the Millennium era. The Heisei era is a lot of fun. All the movies are really connected, and actually what I can say about Biolante is that it was successful in a similar way to Return, where it wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be. So um, one of the ideas that they were saying was that maybe it was because it was an original monster and not something that people already knew about. So the the film after Biolante was Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. And um we haven't talked about King Ghidorah at all really on this mm-hmm. arc of movies, which is kind of a shame, but I'm going to try and rectify that with the uh, Millennium film Godzilla, Mothra and King Ghidorah Giant Monsters <laughs> All Out Attack. Oh, I, you dang. know, I had a feeling you were going to choose this one because <laughs> I was looking at the list of it and I was like, that is the most ridiculous name. I'm going to have to say it on the show. Aren't yeah. I? Most people just call it GMK. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. So that that's an easy solution for you. This is directed by Shusuke Kaneko, who actually made his name in this timeline right now that we're talking about in the 90s there was a selection of gamma films that i mentioned on the podcast a couple of times uh, random episodes because it's a it's a great three trilogy of films and also a great example of how to do kaiju right and some of my favorite stuff but after he was successful with that toho got him to do a godzilla film so this is from 2001 like I said, directed by Shusuke Kaneko. And yeah, the music is by Ko Otani, the same composer that would do uh, Shadow of the Colossus. So Dude, amazing. very excited. This is also a different take on all of these, and it's going to be really fun. I don't want to say too much to you guys about it, but it's going to be really fun to see how you react to this movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, until next week, we're taking a look at Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, <laughs> giant monsters all out attack. Also known as GMK. Yeah. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.